0: find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son.
1: And I'm Jane, the mom. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we'd like to end our time with a chaser. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears.
0: We love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to contact us by email or social media. You can find our contact info in the show notes for this episode. If you'd like to support us through Patreon, you can find us there at Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy Podcast, or use the link in our show notes.
1: Hey, podcast lovers. My name is Haley, and I run the Doe Identify podcast. I have been passionate about helping the unidentified get their names back ever since I found out I lived within miles of where Sherry Ann Jarvis, formerly known as the Walker County Jane Doe, was found. In my podcast, I tell the stories and provide information about unidentified people in hopes of reaching their loved ones and getting their names back. So come join me and help me advocate for these people. You never know, you could recognize someone's story. Are you ready to jump into it, Declan? Yep. All right, tell me what you are going to be telling us about today. What's your story?
0: I'm going to be talking about the New Orleans Axe Man. Ooh. Sounds like a superhero.
1: It, mm, he definitely is
0: <laughs> not.
1: Nope. He's not a nice What are you going to be
0: telling us about?
1: I am going to be telling you about a haunted castle in England. Ooh. Yes, and the drink that I brought to go with this was, the drink is called the Red Queen. Mm, Because, you know, queens live in castles and stuff. So, the Red Queen cocktail is made of one and a third ounces of gin, two-thirds of an ounce of elderflower liqueur, one and two-thirds of an ounce cranberry juice, and half an ounce of fresh lemon juice. Mm. You pour all those ingredients into a shaker with ice and you shake it well, and then you strain into a chilled glass. Are you ready? All right, cheers. That's really good. Oh, that is amazing. Oh, my God. I think gin and cranberry with some other stuff is like my new favorite thing.
0: It's delicious. You have gin, cranberry, and some kind of citrus like a lime or a lemon, Mm -hmm. maybe even an orange. It just goes so good together.
1: Yeah. And I used to hate gin. You have turned me around in my gin drinking, and now I'm actually digging it. I think I just didn't have – right. Yes, the gin dark side. <laughs> okay. So, are you ready for a spooky story? I'm yep. tell you some spooky story shit. Okay. Listed as the most haunted historic castle in Britain, Chillingham Castle was a place of many deaths, torture, and trauma. Not a happy place back in the day. Today, it is a historical location currently owned by descendants of some of the original family that lived within the estate. It is also home to a rare breed of white cattle, that live in an enclosed area on the castle grounds. Chillingham Castle started as a monastery in the 12th century. It was later owned by a, as a home by the Grey family, and the Grey family's descendants are now the uh, current owners again. Hmm. In 1298, King Edward I stayed at the castle as its location was near the border to Scotland. This was a convenient location, tactically speaking, because at the time, England and Scotland were at war with each other. Scotland was fighting for their independence from England, who wanted to control all of the region. The castle is pretty well fortified in that the walls of the castle are 10 feet thick, making attack more difficult. For many years, there was also a moat surrounding the property, which further added to the security. In the mid-1300s, yeah, wouldn't that be neat? Having a moat? Yeah. Stay Stay away. away. All of the solicitors, there's a moat. Don't come here and try and sell me your stuff. Hmm. In the mid-1300s, it was further improved by adding battlements, which fortified the structure into more of a square shape and strengthened the castle from potential invasions. The Scottish attempted to invade the castle numerous times, but were unsuccessful. The English were able to maintain residence there, and several rooms in the castle were used for terrible purposes by the chief enforcer, John Sage. Sage was known by the nickname John Dragfoot. Not very original on this. Uh, He was a main executioner and master of torture. He had a deep hatred for the Scottish people. As a lieutenant in the British military, he was injured by a Scottish soldier who impaled Sage's leg with a spear. This left the leg basically unusable, and Sage could only drag it behind him as he walked. (laughs) That's the nickname John Dragfoot. That's
0: so fucked up.
1: I said they weren't original oh. back in the day they were just like hey this guy drags around his leg. so
0: true the last name smith came from people who were smiths like right. the metal workers
1: right so this guy was not a nice guy he tortured approximately 50 people a week for about three years damn yeah So his, yeah. He's a guy. That's a
0: lot of clients. He was.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And he wasn't just happy to use average methods of torture, you know, like the Iron Maiden or the rack. you know, the average run-of-the-mill torture devices. No, he had to make his own. He was like, I'm going to use that other stuff, but...
0: I wonder if he got paid on commission. That's why he was doing so many. Oh, no. (laughs) Damn. I don't know. I really want to buy a new horse and buggy. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That's terrible. So, one of the devices he created was a barrel full of iron spikes the prisoner was placed inside of the barrel and then it was rolled around so the spikes would rip the skin and flesh from the body until the person died of their
0: injuries yeah people who make it's, torture devices are very clever whoever yeah. came up with like that or even the iron maiden yeah. that's, that's
1: i know really they're all crazy. terrible it's it's Ugh. awful it's awful Sage also used boiling pots with liquids in which prisoners were placed inside and the lid was covering them to prevent them from escaping the boiling liquid. So essentially he boiled them to death. Yeah. Another one of Sage's inventions utilized starving rats in a cage. The cage containing the rat would be attached to the abdomen of the prisoner. The rat's only method of escape, yep, would be to eat through the human barrier. Yuck.
0: That's fucking nasty.
1: This guy was awful. Just awful, but awful. creative. <laughs> he was creative at that, yeah.
0: <laughs> the master Although there of was- his work. <laughs>
1: He was. I mean, he just really advanced that torture game like nobody else.
0: He's the Michael Jordan of torture. (laughs) Yeah,
1: oh, so bad. (laughs) There was a designated torture room which had slanted floors to make cleanup easier. The terrible atrocities were not solely confined to this room, though. Another room, as the oubliette, was more of a dungeon with the entrance by way of a trap door and a 20 foot drop. This was often the place where children were placed. Cause you know,
0: well, Timmy you stuck gotta,
1: you gotta go after the children too. Cause I guess the basic concept was if we kill all these people, and leave the children alive, then they're going to come after us in revenge. So we might as well take them out too. It's just atrocious. <coughs> yeah.
0: I wonder why they're being tortured.
1: <laughs> well, we, we torture people hated.
0: now for information. For information
1: like- yeah. I think back in the day, maybe they were doing it for information or maybe they were just like, we're assholes and we're fighting you. So we're just going to torture you. Cause I don't know.
0: We saw you steal um, that loaf of bread from the bakery. Now you're going to uh-huh. have rats yeah. eat through you.
1: Yeah. Ugh. The children that were placed in the dungeon oubliette uh, often had their limbs broken before being thrown down into the dungeon. Fuck. So they typically died slowly from starvation or due to the fractures. And That's to good. this day, you can still oh. find skeletal remains in that dungeon. Yeah, I don't. Mm, yeah, it's pretty wicked. Sage's hatred for Scottish people never ended, even in times of peace. So when England and Scottish were no longer fighting, he was ordered to release all of the prisoners. But he didn't want to do that because remember, he hated the Scottish people. So instead of letting everyone go, he built a fire in the courtyard. I'm going to go really fast. He threw the live bodies of all the men, women, and oldest children into the fire. The younger children got to hear it. And instead of, you know, just letting that be enough, all the younger children and babies were taken to a room in the castle known as the King Edward Room. It's now referred to as the killing room because Sage proceeded to hack all of the small children to death with an axe.
0: Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) That was a lot.
1: Horrific. Sorry, everyone. I know. It's gross. Oof. Okay. So. On a positive note, um... His reign of terror ended badly for him because he killed his girlfriend. He explained it as a sex act gone wrong, but people didn't buy it. And he was sentenced to death and he was hanged while hanging from a rope yet still alive. So the hanging didn't fully finish. It wasn't like drop done. He was still alive. Uh, And the people were pissed off. And so they started carving pieces of him off of his body. They removed toes, fingers, parts of his face, and his genitals.
0: Okay. Could you imagine if we had executions and, like, the whole town would come and watch? (laughs) Like... (laughs) That's all they had to do back then. It's like, oh, don't Johnny's getting decapitated today Come, in the town square. Let's all go watch. Get some popcorn Maybe that's and make why, a day out of maybe it. Maybe that's
1: why TV <laughs> and movies were invented because they were like, we really need to do something besides watch these hangings. I just can't stomach another, another one.
0: Maybe, like, humans need to watch people dying. So let's just make movies about it. <sighs>
1: maybe. I don't know. We're sick. We're all sick. So, in no surprise to anyone, legend has it that Sage also haunts the halls of the castle, which, you know, rightly so. There are reports of hearing dragging sounds throughout the castle, similar to what have would have been heard as Sage walked and dragged his bad leg behind him. Ooh. So you can hear, like, somebody stepping and dragging stuff. Yeah. So now we're going to get out of the gruesome, gory crap, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the the ghosts. Um, the most famed ghost is known as the Blue Boy or the Radiant Boy, and he is said to haunt a room in the castle known as the Pink Room. He is reported to appear as a young boy who appears after a blue halo has been seen near a specific wall. Okay, I know I said we're going to get out of the gross stuff, but... Okay, it was only for two sentences, because now we're back into the gross stuff. (sighs) The body was, there was, the ghost is believed to be the spirit of a young boy, whose remains were found inside of one of the walls. Because there was a body found in the wall that had shreds of blue fabric, the tips of the fingers were damaged. The tips of the fingers were damaged because he had been buried alive. The damage was caused as he was trying to escape.
0: So he's like built into the wall pretty much. They just yes, he was walled put in. him in there and built around him.
1: Yep. Uh, and he was it, trying was to claw it, his way out.
0: Was that in the 10 foot thick walls?
1: Um, No, I think it was an interior room. So okay. I don't think the interior <laughs> rooms were 10 feet thick. All right. Although the blue boy is said to be a nice ghost, not all of the ghosts appear to be friendly. People have been reported to be pushed while walking the staircase. So you imagine walking up a staircase and somebody pushes you. Maybe that's why I fall downstairs all the time.
0: <laughs> ghosts are tripping
1: you. Uh-huh. Ghosts are pushing me down the stairs. Uh-huh. That's what I'm going to start saying, because when I tell people I fell down the stairs and they're... <laughs> There's no reason for me to fall downstairs. I just fall downstairs. Sure. I'm going to start saying it was a ghost that pushed me. That's my new go-to. Uh, other people report feeling great emotions of sadness, especially in the chapel where three unknown skeletons were found. One of those skeletons has, was an unknown girl who reportedly enjoys interacting with female visitors and playing with their hair. Another notable spirit in the castle is that of Lady Mary Berkeley. When she was alive, she would often wear long, flowing skirts. Her spirit is to believe to be heard by swishing fabric sounds as she walks the halls of the castle searching for her husband. Her husband left her with a small child when he ran off with her sister.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Not nice.
1: Funny. Yeah. Ghosts are not contained just inside the castle, though. They have been seen in the surrounding grounds as well. There is a lake on the castle grounds that was sadly used as a deposit place for the dead prisoners. So there are many skeletons in the depths of the water. And there's a legend about the lake that if you reach your hand into the water, the souls of the dead will pull you into the lake. Ooh. Yeah, not not. I'm not reaching into anything like that, Lulu. I can hear you talking to me. I know I've been waiting this whole time for you to say hello. It's so rude, producer she came into Lulu. The
0: frame for a little bit, but she got. I know. Scared I saw her tail. <laughs> yeah.
1: So on the grounds there are also some large old trees. Those trees were used for hanging. And rather than disposing of the bodies in a humane way, they would let the remains just hang there. And as they decompose, they would drop onto the ground. Ugh. Yep.
0: It's a good way to ward off visitors, I guess. Yeah, that's
1: true. I mean, (laughs) if I walked up to a house and there's a body hanging in front of the door, I'm definitely not knocking and asking if they want any Girl Scout cookies.
0: (laughs) The Scottish were like, Going to raid them again and they're like, oh, these guys are weird. <laughs> it's <not>. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Never mind. We'll move on to the next house. Yeah. The bones of the people that were hung from the trees settled in the ground. And when it's cold enough, the ground, the cold ground pushes the bones out. So you can still find the bones being pushed out. Yeah. Ugh. Ew. Yeah. Legends surrounding the castle aren't solely involving ghosts, though. So this is a little bit happier of a note. The white cattle are also a topic of interest. No one really knows where the cattle originally came from, but they are believed to have been residents on the grounds since the mid-1200s. So they've been there a long time. Celtic folklore says the cattle are protected by fairies and that if someone tries to harm the cattle, the fairies will prevent it. The castle is open for visitors during the day. You could also stay there like hotel stay for short-term stays. And if you're really adventurous, you can even rent an apartment there and live on the grounds. Wow. Yes.
0: I'd like to say, though, that like... That Their folklore is so much better than ours. Our fo- folklore is like the Wendigo. They have little fairies that protect cows and stuff. Like,
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, ours are not great. We got a bunch of creepy ones. We do. Skinwalkers, shit like that. Ugh.
1: Well, they have creepy ones too. I mean, who knows? True.
0: I don't think we have any sprites or anything in our... I guess you could call it mythology maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They're a lot older than we are though. So True. generationally and all that. Yeah, historically they they're an older group. Yeah. Do you have some terrible tales for me?
0: Yes. Let me tell you about the New Orleans Axe Man. On May 22nd, 1918, Italian grocer Joseph Maggio laid down in bed next to his wife, Catherine. The two settled in before cutting out the lights. They slept soundly, but maybe too soundly. As they slept, a man was able to break in using a chisel to remove a panel from their back door. The man quietly made his way throughout the house armed with a straight razor and an axe that he found in the Maggio home. He arrived at the bedroom where Joseph and Catherine were sleeping and he slit both of their throats before bashing their heads in with the axe.
1: Oh, shit. What? Cat. Ugh.
0: Catherine died fairly fast. However, Joseph was able to survive until minutes after his brothers, Jake and Andrew, discovered him. So the, his brothers came in, found his body, and then he died a couple minutes later. Died.
1: Do you know how long it was from the attack time to when he was discovered?
0: I think it was a couple hours.
1: Oh, shit. Yeah. Could you imagine hanging on that long and then being like, peace out, like, ugh.
0: Yeah. do no, thank that, you. That, it's better than dying alone, I guess. Yeah, true. So police were called and they found bloody clothes belonging to the killer, which means the killer changed clothes before fleeing inside of the house. So...
1: Were they his own clothes? I wonder, or were their clothes missing? So did he like show up in his own clothes, kill them, steal their clothes to change into? Yeah, I think really. So. Fuck. Yeah. It's not bad enough that he killed them, but he had to steal their clothes too. <laughs> what an so the
0: straight razor actually belonged to Andrew, his brother, because he was a barber. Uh. He was taken into questioning. However, police felt that he was innocent. And a common thread with uh, most of these killings is he uses weapons that he found inside the house after breaking in. Okay. Later in the day following the murder, a cryptic message was discovered. Miss Maggio is going to sit up tonight like Miss Tooney. This is a reference to the 1911 murders of Anthony and Joanna Scambia, Scambra, sorry, whose nickname was Mrs. Tooney. So it kind of oh. connects them. Yeah.
1: Did they, were they connected by the police before that? No. No. Okay. So okay, this,
0: this weird message that was written on one of the walls.
1: Oh, Quit writing on walls, people. It's gross.
0: (laughs) I'm pretty sure this is actually referenced. There's like a little Easter egg in one of the cowboy video games I play. And there's like. Oh, really? You follow these cryptic messages written in blood on the walls. And you find like a serial killer and stuff. And you get a special weapon. It's pretty cool.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: So nearly a month after the first murder on June 27th another Italian family was attacked. Louis Bessemer and his mistress Harriet Anna were found by a bakery wagon driver. Some guy was just dropping off baguettes and found two dead bodies. Oh, Oh, not dead. Sorry. This time the couple had survived their attacker. So they weren't dead. I I fucked that up. Oops. (laughs) That's right. Uh, But both suffered blunt force trauma to the head. Similar to the indentations of an axe, like the back side of an axe.
1: Mm -hmm. The blunt side?
0: Yeah. yeah. Shortly after the attack, Harriet told the authorities that Lewis was a German spy and responsible for the attack, which was later deemed as a delirious episode. (laughs) So she was like, oh, the guy I'm sleeping with is actually a German spy.
1: Okay. I wonder if he really was.
0: I don't think it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Nonetheless, Lewis was taken into questioning and released shortly after. Okay. Harriet would pass away on August 5th due to complications from her injury. So, mm-hmm. like, like, eight days, no, nine days in after case. the attack. Okay. Uh, in the early hours of August 5th, Mary Schneider, a pregnant woman, was found badly wounded by blunt force trauma. So, on the same day that Harriet passed away, uh, a pregnant woman was found with blunt force trauma to the head. Ugh. On August 10th, Joseph Romano was attacked in his home. His nieces found him and were able to spot a man fleeing from the home. They described oh. him as a dark skinned, heavy set man who wore a dark suit and slouched hat. Joseph would die a few days later due to injuries that the axeman had inflicted. On March 10th, 1919, the Corda Miglia family was attacked. Charles and his wife Rosie suffered substantial injuries. However, their daughter Mary was stabbed in the neck. She passed away.
1: Mm-hmm. So, stabbing is that's new, right? All the rest of them were blunt force, and now he's just. Like stabbing well, he, shit.
0: For the first one, he slit their ri- or their throat with a straight Oh, that's
1: razor. right. That's right. Yeah, the razor. So he, okay.
0: The neck and blunt force trauma are pretty similar.
1: Okay. Gotcha.
0: Three days after this, a letter was sent to the Times Picayune that read, Esteemed mortal, they have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth, I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you knew, or I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim another victim. Alone, I alone know whom shall it be. Shall leave no clue except my bloody axe. Be smeared with blood and brains of whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you uh. wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course I am responsible of course I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc but tell them to beware let them not try to discover what i am for it were better that they never knew for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the axmen i don't think there is any need of such a warning for i feel the police will always dodge me as they have in the past they are wise and know how to keep away from all harm undoubtedly you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer which I am but I could be mm-hmm. much worse if I wanted to If I wished I could pay a visit to your city every night and I would I at will I could slay thousands of your best citizens for I am in close relationship with the angel of death Now to be exact at 12:15 earthly time on next Tuesday night I am going to pass over New Orleans in my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time. If everyone has a jazz band going, well then, so much the better for you people. One thing is certain. And that is that some of your people who do not jazz it out on that specific Thursday night. I just love that phrasing.
1: Jazz Uh, it out.
0: (laughs) Those who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night will get the axe. As I am cold and I crave the warmth of my native Tataris. And it's about time I leave your earthly home. I will seize my discourse hoping that thou wilt punish. That may go well with me may go well with thee i have been and i am and i will be the worst spirit that ever exists e- either in fact or realm or fantasy the axeman oh. so he wrote that crazy ass letter in hey. the newspaper published that's it.
1: insane
0: yeah Holy very crap. fucking creepy <laughs> very creepy this letter caused widespread panic and the following tuesday the sound of jazz sang all throughout norley new orleans as people packed into bars dance halls and parties to listen to the music that would protect them
1: oh my gosh
0: and the axeman kept true to his word no murders took place that night wow yeah on august 10th steve Bacoa was attacked in his home by an intruder and the bloody axe was left inside the home. Similar to this attack, Sarah Lawman was attacked on September third. However, neither uh, neither one could remember anything other than the axe coming down on their head. So, both were pretty oh. similar attacks. They just they they yeah. were asleep. Didn't they got hit in the head with an axe and don't remember anything else, which is well pretty fair, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: The Axeman would commit his final murder on October 27th. He broke into the Pepitone house, similar to every other attack, and murdered Mike Pepitone. His wife woke up before he could kill her, so so the murder fled before finishing her off. While only six murders were officially attributed to the Axeman, there are some murders that took place years before which many believed were committed by the same person. In 1910, a farmer was shot three times by a masked assailant. And the farmer's son was with him and what witnessed this and ran off. Uh, but the attack on the farmer was not over. Farmer's head was split in half by an axe and his brains were removed. Oh. Yeah. In September of 1910, Joseph Rosetto and his wife Conchetta were attacked in their home by a man wielding an axe. Joseph survived, but his wife passed. The prime suspect in this case was Joseph Mumphrey. In December 1920, in Los Angeles, Mumphrey approached Mrs. Pepitone, who had remarried, but her second husband had disappeared without a trace. Which is also weird. Uh, Mumphrey demanded $500 and jewelry. Mumphrey threatened that if he did not cooperate, he would kill Miss Pepitone the same way he had killed her husband. So this guy knew. This was in. She had moved out of New Orleans all the way to Los Angeles, and this guy knew about the murders.
1: Oh. Yeah.
0: Pepitone retrieved two guns and fatally shot Mumphrey, who had a pistol in his pocket. (laughs) Shot him at least 11 times.
1: (laughs) Well, okay. But. To be fair, to be fair, if somebody came at me and threatened me and I had a gun, every bullet in that gun would be in that person (laughs) threatening me. I don't care. Yeah, she
0: was acquitted for the grounds of self-defense, so.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Every bullet. Although, full disclaimer, I don't know how to shoot a gun, so. (laughs) You can figure, it, figure out. it out. It's just a trick. I'd figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I'd figure it out.
0: So yeah, we'll, we'll probably never know who the New Orleans Axman really was, but no kidding seems like a good, Pass- good suspect.
1: I will say, I would very likely end up dead on that jazz night because i hate jazz music so badly i might just be like i'm not gonna listen to it and if he kills me he kills me or yeah, i, I would put in really good earplugs i hate i I'm jazz okay music. With blues, i hate it so bad
0: jazz just normal jazz does kind of stink
1: no i hate it sorry all you jazz love listeners out there the jazz people i hate jazz music so much
0: (laughs) all righty well do you have a chaser for us mom
1: i do i have kind of a weird chaser but i saw this article recently and i was so excited about it because i read it uh, right after I had been on an airplane. <laughs> so there's an airport in London and it has a fancy schmancy new scanner that allows them to get 3D images of your bag contents, like when you go through TSA and security. So mm. because they have this scanner, they're eliminating the need for you to take your liquids out of your bag. And... It removes the size limitation, So you no longer at this airport are limited, you know, to the three ounces of liquids or the hundred mil, uh, liquid limitation for your carry on baggage. I know this is a really weird chaser, but having just been on a plane recently and having to factor in the whole like oh I got to take this in a travel bag and that and it yeah I just it would be nice to just take all my stuff not have to take it out of my bag not have to worry about if it's the right size unfortunately at this time it's only being used in one airport in London but other countries are planning to adopt this new technology so that they can also change those limitations. And I'm crossing my fingers that the U S will get on board with this. And that we'll also have those changes um, so that we can, not that I want to take my giant bag of shampoo, but like all my other stuff, it'd be nice to take like a yeah. normal sized.
0: Like a tube of face cream. To... It's like yeah, a little bit too big, but. Yeah. I don't want to take it out and put it in this jar and then put too much in the fucking jar. And now I just have a jar of this face cream instead of it being in the fucking bottle. Right. right. Ugh.
1: And then I normally forget what I put in that little tiny container because I'm not – I don't not think ahead enough. <laughs> now I'm not labeling that shit. I'm just like, oh my god, I got to put it in a little tiny small container and I put it in there and then I'm like – what the fuck was that? I don't know how many times your I have
0: like. <laughs>
1: possibly. Possibly. Anyway. I, I just chaser. go by I smell. Know.
0: It's like my shampoo smells different than my. Than my lotion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's true. I mean, they do kind of look different, but there's been times where like, when was the last time I filled this travel bottle? I have no clue what's in here. It could be lotion. Oh, it yeah. could be conditioner. I don't know. True. Now I have to dump it out and clean it because it's the only travel bottle I can find <laughs> to put whatever it is. It's, I know yeah. I should label, but I'm not going to label because yeah. I'm a pain in the ass. So
0: like a game, you got to guess the right soap to use.
1: It is. It's a guessing game. <laughs> What chaser do you have to tell me today? I'm so excited!
0: A movie recommendation.
1: Oh yes. Is they, Gina going to like this movie recommendation?
0: Probably. It's not okay. too crazy. It's called okay. The Negotiator. <laughs> uh, Samuel L. Jackson oh. plays an FBI hostage negotiator who ends up taking his own hostages after they. I don't want to spoil it but some shit happens at work and he takes his boss and a couple other people hostage and he starts coaching that he's the F best FBI negotiator around. So he's coaching this guy. He's like, you're never supposed to say no to the guy. Don't you fucking know that it's in the books?" It's so funny. It's a really good movie.
1: Oh, that is awesome. I love that. How funny.
0: I think it's on Netflix too for everyone that wants to watch it. I,
1: I don't know if I've ever seen that.
0: It's a good watch. I'll
1: have to check it I, out.
0: I watched it last night. Cool. Well, I think that just about wraps us up. Enjoyed it
1: does. We are wrapped.
0: You're fucking gross ex- executioner, torturer guy. I, that was nasty. I
1: know. Now that we're at the end of the episode, I am thinking, like, we really should have put a disclaimer at the beginning of this one because it was gory as fuck. I mean...
0: I think that one's worse than the Paviglia.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Both of our stories were gory (laughs) and gross. And I was talking to somebody the other day about how, oh, yeah, we very rarely do anything with, like... Kids' stuff in it because I can't stomach it. And as I was reading this again, I was like, oh shit, I'm going to have to tell that guy. Don't listen to this episode. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, it was nice chatting with you, bud.
0: Yeah, I agree. Love you.
1: Love you too. Bye. Bye. Hey, friends. Thank you for supporting our podcast. Please share our show with your brutal and bizarre friends. Give us a boozy follow on your favorite podcast platform. If you're feeling extra generous, we'd appreciate a five-star rating or review as well. But maybe do that sober so all the letters are in the right place.
0: You can find all our contact information in the show notes. We love hearing from you, and if you're interested in helping us stock the bar for our future boozy episodes, you can find our Patreon link in the show notes as well.